0: Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have on the show a man of God first and family second, an entrepreneur who lives by the quote, things may come to those who wait, but only to the things that the hustle left behind. He's a businessman, a member of Alpha Kappa Psi Professional Business Fraternity Incorporated, a pursuer of passions, a community leader, a member of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the kind hearted, brighten your day with a smile, James Davis.
1: Bless you brother, bless you. I'm happy to be here, happy to be here.
0: How you doing man?
1: I'm loving life, I'm loving life. Much better than the alternative.
0: Much better than the alternative. So are you ready to get down and answer some of these questions on these gems?
1: Hey, let's do it, man. I'm excited. I'm never <laughs> looking forward to it.
0: What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what defined you?
1: It's And this is kind of a funny question uh, for me because the answer, it, it may seem obvious, but you'll understand once I kind of elaborate a bit. It was my father, And a lot of people may say it's somebody that's right there in the household for you. But the reason I say it's a little unique for me is my father passed away when I was nine years old. So a lot of the memories that I have were typically childhood memories. But even as I've gotten older, I recognize how foundational what he taught me was. And it helped me to kind of build upon, what, build upon that, who I would grow into, never really deviating from, hey, how do you want to represent yourself? Rep- make sure you represent the family well. Make sure you represent your mother well. Make sure you represent me well. And you know, when you're when you're seven, eight years old, and say, "Hey, you know, don't embarrass me," you don't really think that that's going to be anything meaningful. You just want to go outside and play or go do whatever you want to do. But fast forward 10, 20, however many years, you always that helps you to understand, "Hey, your last name means something." not just to you, but to those who came before you, those that are affiliated with you, or those people that actually invested in me, I I, I kind of hear it in the back of my head. Don't embarrass them. Let them know that what they deposited in you actually was going to go on and do something great instead of be smirching or embarrassing them even posthumously.
0: Tell me some of the things you do to uphold the family name to make sure that you carry with you.
1: Okay. Okay. Whenever I leave my house, anytime I leave my house, I live, my, I live by myself, but my family is back, back down south. I always remember my name in itself is maybe all somebody sees. It may not necessarily be my resume, it may not necessarily be my accomplishments. I just recognize what that does. So if I leave home, I make sure, and some may, think, may not see the value in this, the way I present myself, the way I'm dressed. Hey, it may seem may, may seem like a very little thing, but if I understand, I may be the only young person somebody meet, runs into in the grocery store. I may be the only African-American that somebody runs into in the office or on the subway. What kind of image or lasting impression am, am I going to leave on that person? Mm-hmm. So it could just they, they may not come up to you to get to know you. They may not come up to you to ask you, how's your day? Tell me your story. But they may see hey he this guy dresses this way or if i interact with a stranger i'm I'm still polite i'm still courteous whether i'm going to benefit from that interaction or not because that could be the one takeaway that's going to debunk a stereotype for that person because a lot of times we may hear young people feel this way or men feel this way or african americans feel this way african american men feel this way if you do something to disrupt that conscious thinking I feel like those can be the times where you can make a bit, at least a little bit of an impact and maybe plant the seed for a more evolved thought process.
0: A More balance of seed planting. That's a very interesting concept. If we all held each other at a certain standard, then people can't forced to remove the stereotypes. You know, DL Hughley said the worst place to exist is in a white person's mind. Mm. But if we remove those stereotypes, they can no longer be subjugated to that kind of thought especially we change generation after generation. Talk to me about the moment that you realize your attributes and what you applied into your life came to flourish in front of you. Cause you, like you said, you don't know if people will ever take that grain of salt you gave them and actually season their life. But I wanna know a moment where you actually saw the, the, your, your efforts of, of performing this gumbo pot of complexities that graze our culture come to pass.
1: Uh, This is a very open one, a very honest one I'm going to share with you because very few people know this story, so I'm definitely happy to share with your platform. Of course, we know that this past year was very, very challenging for for us as a culture, for us as a people. I have a friend who, Caucasian young lady, originally from Texas, and we've been friends for years. She's currently working overseas, literally working um, she's listed working in on the other side of the world in China but not too long after what had happened with the late great George Floyd she called me crying and just in tears and she said first she apologized for you know what happened and wanted to check on me see how I was feeling but through her tears she's telling me I didn't realize and I'll never forget this quote I didn't realize it was this bad and first i'm sorry that you that you have to go through what you go through mm-hmm. but i want you to know i value you i appreciate you and i see now how different you are compared to what people are saying that people who look like you are mm-hmm. i didn't realize because she's always been like one of the nicest people in the world and very open minded she just naturally assumed on some level that people weren't as narrow-minded, The people that were people were also open-minded. But when she started to hear some of the rhetoric around what some of these narrative stereotypes are based in, that's when she connect was able to connect. Hey, I've dealt, I've dealt with James. He's African American. He doesn't fulfill any of these, you know, he doesn't do any of these negative things. I know James in the workplace. He doesn't do any of these things but they're trying to say that he does or people that look like him does based on their expectations. I was supposed to be something vastly different. And so when she admitted that I had been a light for her, almost in a sense, creating a, a bit of a bubble to protect her or insulate her from that negative thinking, that's when it kind of clicked to me or at least when it manifested to me that what I've stood for definitely was a distinct departure from what people have been trying to paint me as being or people that look like me paint them as being
0: and it's a form of admission of guilt too on some aspects not to default or debunk what her assessment was i'll give an example i was working out in the gym when eric garner died a random white person came up to me and just said man i'm sorry for everything you go through and i looked at him i said what are you talking about right Mm -hmm. because all our experiences are not the same but he just looked at my face and assumed that i have hardship but we all have hardship so what are you talking about right your random admission because you felt guilty because all this time you turned to the blind eye or you had something in your brain about how we were totally and never listened to what we were saying about our differences and who we are how we control everything in terms of like culture influence it takes more than a savage or a primal person to do that
1: right i think there's this there's this misunderstanding that people don't see that they have some people have the luxury of opting out of the conversation right you have the luxury of not being aware because it may not directly impact you or those in Mm -hmm. your sphere you you may not necessarily believe the negative thing but you also don't necessarily have you're not forced to engage in resolving a solution.
0: Right. And 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 I've heard this quote, no one cares about sacrifice until it's you.
1: Mm, that's good, that's good.
0: Until it's you. Until- Do you have a vision board?
1: Currently, I don't. I've had them in the past and i definitely established the value in them. But I, this, this year would probably be, the, this is only be the, the second year I haven't really had one. But I do believe in I have certain images posted around places that I'm going to see them, just not in one particular board.
0: So you do have a vision board It's just scattered around your house or where you can have different affirmations. So let's right, talk. Right. Let's let's talk affirmations. But first, I want to talk about what apex goal do you have scattered around that you're trying to achieve and which one did you achieve?
1: Well, right now, <laughs> And this is going to be sound a little indirect. Right now, the background of my phone is of a black Lamborghini Huracan. And, you know, it's it's an awesome car. (laughs) Uh, But the reason that it's there, of course, somebody would hear that, okay, young man wants a fast car. That seems very formulaic. But the reason that I have this particular car, there is a investment, there's a vertical that I've added to my investment portfolio where uh, th- through the particular company, if you hit certain benchmarks within this company, once you, one of the highest awards would be you would get awarded this particular car. So it's not just that I want the car or that I like the car, but it's also motivation to build this investment portfolio and this network so that I hit the benchmark of success that gets or that
0: earns me this card if you will so it's nothing it's, let, me, let me first by prefacing saying it's nothing wrong with looking in the glass case and seeing the biggest karate statue and say hey I'm gonna go win the karate statue there's nothing <laughs> there's no difference in saying that trophy over there is mine on any level when you're a child and an adult and trophies can't always be gold-plated tall statues that you put in your house. Sometimes it's something you ride in, sometimes it's time you invest in. So if you have a trophy and you aiming for a goal, there's nothing wrong with that. And we happy you explained it and we hope you reach the goal so I can borrow your car. <laughs> <laughs> sure,
1: why not? Why not? Why not? Um, but I want some that I've also encouraged or excuse me accomplished. I love the travel and I all in the past I've had goals to get to Get back to the other side of the hemisphere. Here, um, as your listeners or viewers are watching, I'm here in Washington D.C. I was—I've only been across the Atlantic once. That was right, some right after I graduated from college in 2003. And I always wanted to get back, but there was—you know—it just wasn't working out. So I put on my glo- on one of my previous vision boards: get to see the other side of the world. I had a globe and I had a pin on the western hemisphere excuse me in the eastern hemisphere and so in 2017 i applied for this was through my job there was a temporary work assignment in an office in india it was in mumbai india i've never been to mumbai i don't speak any foreign languages (laughs) but hey look I want. I want this opportunity. I think it'd be a great, you know, a great accomplishment, a great experience. I applied and went through the interview process, the selection process. You have to, you know, write out why you think you should be chosen, and I, thankfully, I was selected. And so, I was able to spend thirty days living at a rather, rather nice hotel in Mumbai, India, and it was something that. I, there could have been the easy option to not even try, to not even apply. There were people that I know had expressed interest that on paper, you might have suspected they would have been the one selected, but it was me. So I was thankful. And you know, when I came back and saw it on the vision board, you kind of you know, nod to yourself with pride. See, I went forward and I got it.
0: I want to dive a little deeper in your trip to India and Mumbai.
1: Let's do it.
0: What did they call you there? And what I mean by that is in America, you are an African American, you are a black man. What did they call you when they asked you where you were from? What was your race? No one,
1: to my face at least, asked me race. They know no one referenced race. I was right. simply, I was simply Mr. Davis. From just, um, no, they wouldn't even say Mr. Davis from America.
0: Right. And that the, would and- be it what I'm trying to alluding to is me living here in United Arab Emirates, wherever you may travel around the world to anyone listening in America, when you leave America, you're just American. And, and I might sound like a shock to you, but you're not black, white, Asian, you're American. And that's what we need to get as a people as on one accord, because the rest of the world doesn't see all these racial profilings that we have inside our own lines. No great fortress was destroyed from the outside in. It was always from the inside out. And that's what we're doing to ourselves with these racial lines. Talk to me about your affirmations. You got affirmations everywhere. How important it is to have affirmations around. For those who don't know what affirmations are, there are sayings to yourself about things you hope to achieve, a person you're trying to mold and shape, because some of us had to unlearn and relearn certain things to grow and be better. Talk to me about some of the affirmations you have, Mr. Davis.
1: Sure. One that I have, and I say this rather rather regularly, is I am a powerful and influential businessman. And the reason I say that is whenever you're venturing outside of the box to do anything that's considered atypical, anything besides waking up, going to work, cashing a paycheck, coming home, anything outside of that, You're going to typically lose, you can expect to lose some level of support, whether it's people are cynical or people are caring about your success and they may not see the vision that you have. They're like, well, you don't have to do this. Uh, Be careful. Try to. And so it's an indirect level of reservation that they may feel that they then try to project onto you. Mm -hmm. And if you're not careful, The power of the subconscious mind is very, is very much under underestimated. If you're not careful, you'll begin to believe it. And you'll begin to act more reservedly. You'll begin to act more cautiously in times when you may not need to. So sometimes I have to counteract that thinking so that I can remind myself, hey, you can go out here and do this. I say them not, hey, I want to be or one day I will become. It's, I'm a powerful influential businessman. I say it now so... I forgot who, where I heard it from, but you think as if to be as if. Mm. So I start saying it in the present tense so that my subconscious mind hears my conscious mind say it, and so that I begin to maneuver, behave in such a way that creates that particular existence. And I think that's something that we have to kind of try to make sure I stay on top of.
0: I once heard the great K. R. S. One, the philosopher, speak, and he did a speech, and he said, "I want everybody to say hello to me without opening your mouth or making a sound." And and when everybody took two seconds to say hello, he said, "What just spoke?" And everybody was in shock because your mind subconsciously spoke to, and you spoke without speaking inside of your own language. You're speaking to yourself. Right. And I think people, what you said is so profound because people need to understand when others don't believe in you, there's still someone in you who does. Exactly. The God in you, the light in you, reaching the next level, being more than a man, the final level as we should speak. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you skip over Mumbai India, because I'm sure people who are listening are like, okay, he didn't tell us any experiences he may have had. So please give us one or two experiences that were great for you in Mumbai India.
1: Sure, one, and this is kind of, how can I say this? It was more of a reflective moment than it was just inherently Mumbai centric. But I remember the day I walked into the hotel, the hotel room, my hotel was right on the water. So the, I could see the Indian ocean from my hotel. Mm-hmm. And there's this huge bridge and I'm sitting there looking and as I'm taking the interview, I, I got teary-eyed, and I started to think, like, I'm not supposed to be here, mm. because I'm from very humble beginnings. My family didn't have money. I'm a first-generation college student. My father passed when I was nine years old. My mother was a blue-collar worker and encouraged me, but she had never really moved outside of, you know, outside of the next state. Nobody, nobody in my family, even some of my extended family, had really traveled. I was supposed to look, according to the statistics, I was supposed to be on drugs. If you, you know, if you believe, if you believe the narrative, I was supposed to have gotten in trouble. I was supposed to have had all these things. But here I am, in Mumbai, India, and I didn't add this piece. I was there for work, of course. So I'm here in Mumbai, India, representing the U.S. federal government. Um, not paying for this entire experience, but I'm literally on the other side of the world from where I started. They could have easily read my story or someone could have easily read my story and said, hey, I know where this ends. The statistics say there was a sale built for me, already. The statistic would have already told you I was supposed to be working some menial job somewhere struggling to get by to take care of my five kids (laughs) but i'm in mumbai india seeing or having an experience of a lifetime nobody would have predicted this
0: i had the same experience here in dubai and abu dhabi i was sitting i tell this story all the time i was sitting on a. I was in the middle middle of the ocean sitting on like a, a i swam out to this creek this this barge they had And when you sat on the barge, I sat, I got there sundown and I saw the sunset on the Sheik's castle or the Sheik's uh, place of residence. And I said to myself, I said, I thought about where I came from in the Bronx. I thought about all my counterparts who will never see this. And I said, why me? But speaking to Devin Harrison, who was also on this show, a fellow South Carolina state alum, he said to me, he's from the same place that I am. He said, uh, why not me? And I say the same thing to you that he passed on to me. He passed on that solution to me. Why not you? You're good enough. And that's why I think you let go of all the emotions, all the fight that it took to get to this moment to see these beautiful things. When you see that flower in bloom, now you want to plant more seeds for the next flower. And it, it just encourages you. How early did you start goal setting in life?
1: I started goal setting and it was actually born out of uh, a very unfavorable, I thought unfavorable situation. I was probably a freshman in high school. Right. Because at the time, again, I mentioned, I just mentioned I'm first generation college. But at the time, I didn't have... I don't want to disrespect certain people, but I had, I didn't want to have to rely on anyone else for me to be able to go to college, because this, there could have been a situation where, if finance the finances weren't there, it was going to be military, and I I knew I, I wasn't built for the military. God bless our troops, but I knew that wasn't me. I knew that wasn't me. Uh, but I knew then, like, all right, if I'm going to make this difference, I have to have a long-term plan. So from high school, I'll take that back. I started in eighth grade. Academics has kind of been my strong suit. But hey, you got to get certain grades because you have to plan for a scholarship. Because if we don't get a scholarship, we don't. Have, my mom would tell me, we don't have the money to send you to school we don't and you don't want to have to rely on loans and of course at the time it wasn't as bad as it is now but the concept of student loans to a family that doesn't come from much just did not sound like something i wanted to sign up for so fresh freshman hey you may not be able to go to every party but you got to get these good grades because you need the scholarship for years you may not you know you may want to skip or skip doing the homework but you need to get the scholarship for years because otherwise you're going to be 10 hunt <laughs> And I knew like that was either going to be, that was going to be it for me. And so I started then. And I don't, I don't want to pretend like I had it all figured out. That I was always the most responsible and mature. I like to play around. I like to, you know, teenage, I was a teenage boy. So, you know, girls were a distraction and parties and sports and things like that were distractions. But at, at the end of the day, I knew, what are you, what are you trying to do in four years? Because if you don't do it now. You don't want to be, you don't want to be waiting and hoping and wishing and praying and looking for a miracle when you could have done something to help your cause.
0: I think that's amazing that you started early because you have to hone in certain skills and understand you're good enough right now when you start, but you're not going to be the same. You're going to be better. You're going to see things and see strategies and experiences that tell you by the time you went from eighth grade to 11th grade, now you know how to balance going out, meeting girls and getting your work done. Versus if you would have started in 11th grade, you would still have to go through that turmoil two years and not right. reaching the goal. And you might have been in the military or packing bags or doing something else, working at a call center. And no no disrespect to people that do any of those things, but that wasn't his goal. So for his goal, this is where he wanted to be. And the fact that your family understood that it was a loan. And a lot of people don't understand that this they're going to want their money back with interest and they're gonna make it very hard for you to pay it back. So think about that. All my people who wanna go to college rent free, it starts in eighth grade with the consistency of doing your work. And also all the people who want, who play an instrument. Don't forget, if you play an instrument, you do it well. They offer scholarships for that too. Absolutely. Pay your way through college with your skills and your attributes. And this way you won't owe nobody nothing. On that road from sacrificing to eighth grade, trying to get to college, I know you've done so many things, and you talked about losing your dad at nine. What did you sacrifice for the apex of some of your goals?
1: Uh, I think, and you know, you always, there's always the, the idea of what life would have been like on the other side. But I know I sacrificed certain social standing. I wasn't the coolest kid and I wasn't the most popular kid. And I knew some of that you might have been able to, at least in my mind, I might have been able to kind of offset if I'd have gone to more events, if I'd gone to more parties, if I'd been more, you know, been more outgoing. i like, look, it's either be fun, you know, have fun now, be everybody's friend now, and knowing me at the time, my grades will be less, <laughs> my grades will be lower, excuse me. Or maybe you don't, you know, You're not the class clown. You're not at the cool table in the lunchroom, but you know, all right, I'm going to sit over here and do this homework. I'm going to work on this extra credit project or whatever. That was my thing. And so that was my trade-off. I had to choose choose between academics and maybe, like I said, being a little more popular and figuring out how to balance that because you, you still have the, at that age, the... You know, puberty and figuring out your body and these urges, these other distractions that everybody is still dealing with on top of deciding what's going to be the most important for me and trying to make the right decision more often than not.
0: Talk to me about your lowest moment and what I mean by lowest moment, you feel like you didn't know yourself where it got really bad for you. But I just don't want to know how it got bad. I want to know how you got up from it. This is for the people who need to learn something today about where they might be in their lives, whether they're younger, older, or the same age as you. How did they get up from the situation that you went through? How did you get up?
1: <sighs> okay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a heavy one. You, you you got me. I wasn't prepared for that one. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I apologize. I think my camera went out for one second. Uh, it took a lot of counsel. It took a lot of counsel. Uh, at the time, it wasn't. It was not an era of us being able to afford therapy or anything like that. But I needed to find somebody to talk to. This is in high school. It was. I felt like everybody was against me. Um, my stepfather at the time, he and I weren't getting along in my head. Cause you know, you have so much teenage, sometimes you can have a lot of teenage angst. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I was asking questions of, Hey, how does, what's my mom? What's my mom's relationship? Is she choosing him over me? Or does the world believe in you? Uh, my high school uh, one of the goddess counselors i didn't think she really cared about the students some of this stuff you know just in my head but this is just where my mind was
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so you just find yourself just found myself angry i just found myself mad at everyone and like the only person i can trust is me <laughs> mm-hmm. which is a very big mantle a very big responsibility to take on at 16 years old And especially where I was fortunate enough that my mom was there, I wasn't, it wasn't as if I had to go pay the bills or that I was sleeping out in the car. I know I've since then met people who had it a lot rougher than I did. I'm like, hey, in my head, it's just me in this world. And eventually, I was fortunate enough to kind of connect to a couple of my teachers and one of my guidance counselors or the guidance instructor. She was over the guidance department. So, hey, look! I need to get to college so I can get out of this circumstance. And in talking to her, it's like, well, have you ever asked family? Have you asked this person, that person? And I'm like, well, look, when you're feeling like you only have you, mm-hmm. I just kind of told, look, I don't know if I can ask them. And two things happened. She was like, one, it's probably, be- come to find out, I didn't realize it at the time, her son was in school with us. She's like. Your parents probably don't think of you the way you think they think of you. (laughs) You're just taking it differently. They have a responsibility that you may not be aware of or understanding. But also, don't give up on what can happen just because of what you feel is happening right now. Mm. It's it's okay if you want to talk about this. You can be angry. You can be frustrated. But this is how you're feeling now. You may not feel this way in a year or two. So don't sacrifice a year or two because you're angry now. Mm. And it's kind of having her reshape or reshift that perspective and well listen to me. And so I had to kind of grasp that because I could have very easily let my emotions of the moment dictate what's going to happen. I don't feel like doing anything. I'm not, I'm gonna show them, I'm gonna teach them a lesson not realizing or not fully understanding that the only person that ultimately was going to be harmed would have been me because once my mood would have changed once my opinions and philosophies had shifted once i gotten over it the damage could have potentially been done i could have lost that year could have lost that to now i'm playing catch up and then i'm frustrated and then i would have been mad that I would have been wanting to find someone to blame when in all honesty, I was essentially perpetuating this existing negative situation because my right now was the only thing I was willing to see. Shout out.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No problem. And so when she was kind of able to shake me out of that thinking, it helped me to kind of reset and understand this is a momentary frustration, not minimizing it what i felt was very real but this is going to have an end date and what was that big goal what's the long-term play versus the short-term reaction
0: shout out to wallow on million dollars worth of game once words he heard him tell a story about him being in prison and og said to him how long did it take for you to get here and he was like what do you mean whatever his infraction was with the law, it only took him three seconds to do it and it cost him multiple years of his life. So it speaks volumes to what you just said. That that's a serious gem. Think about the outcome in the end game before your emotions and your fears and reactions take place. Sometimes you only have a split second, but if you practice these things, a split second is all you're gonna eventually need. How important is it to leave where you're from to develop yourself to where you're going?
1: I think this is is a two answer question, two answers to this question. I feel like for some physically, there's a requirement to remove yourself from what's familiar from friends, family, circumstances, situations, just to expand your perspective. You may have very, you may have very easily never seen anything outside of your upbringing, or outside of negative examples, or outside of limited levels of success. So just to expand your worldview, it would help you to see something that's not the same as you. That's not the, so that you're not succumbing to the same amount of groupthink that we very easily can subscribe to. If everybody around you. They're only they only strive for working at the plant down the street. No disrespect to those those employees and taking care of their families and their responsibilities. But if that's all they ever aspire to, you may never think, "Hey, I could be the manager of a branch somewhere. I could be a CEO. I could be a professor." If you've never done, if you've never seen it, you may never expand beyond what's immediate we tend to repeat what we constantly expose ourselves to mm. but the other the reason I said it's a two-part answer let's look at, at the proverbial where you are if you stay within your comfort zone and you only exist inside of your echo chamber of thought and ideas you are likely to max out who you are to fulfill that role. you may become the big fish. But you're you're the big fish in that small pond. Cause people don't realize we may not, we may not realize the reason we have a lot of the friendships, associations that we have is because you have something in common. You guys either went through something together, you went through something similar, you understand each other, you think alike on certain issues. So on some level, you're very different variations of the same person. That's why you're friends, that's why you're associates, that's why you're colleagues. And you no, know, so. That's good as a base. That can be good as a support system. But if that's all you expose yourself to, then you're all going to just continue to shift hats. If everybody around you is employee of the month, that's awesome. But who's going to be the entrepreneur? Maybe one of you had that mindset or that potential, but you never, you only talk about, hey, this is how I get recognized at work. This is how I get recognized at work. Or like in my, in my circle, like I said, in my, in my story, I was the, again, I'm first generation, I was first generation college. So my family, great workers, really good people, love my family to death. But if I only listened, if I only did and repeated what they did, then essentially I would have graduated from high school, would have got a solid job, would have started my family and i would just been comfortable there. But I had potential to go to college. Then when I once I went to college, it's new experiences they never experienced I'm telling them about what it's like to stand in line for registration What it's like to go to class what it's like to have to be to take care of yourself Without anyone else kind of prodding or cracking the whip to make you do it And that was an added level of life an added level of experience that I wasn't ha- Wouldn't have been able to glean from anyone else and so now I've expanded my mindset and my ability to process things because I did something that wasn't familiar. It's very easy to get really regimented into what looks like what we've always done and just stay there because it's non-threatening and it feels safe. So to answer your question, you have to step outside, remove yourself from where you are sometimes to see that there's more out there.
0: That is a loaded answer, and I loved everything about it. I love that you emptied the chamber. For me, the growth I just took from that is you are different variants of your friends, like you're alike in some way. And I have to really take a look at my friends now to see the ones I'd be looking at sideways sometime that do stuff. Am I a part of this? Am I a part of your energy doing this? Because to me, some part of me appreciates what you just did, even though it was good or bad. That's a really that's a really deep uh antidote to build yourself up from. Absolutely. Talk to me about mentorship. How important is it? Are you, you said that you had plenty of mentors to get you through one of your darkest times. But are you currently mentoring anyone?
1: Yes. I have, I currently have
0: wait, 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 seven. hold on one second. Let me let me cut you off. I know you're a mentor. You said you're about to say, but I want to know. Not the nice, the nice parts of mentoring. I'm talking about the part where you love the person you're mentoring, but you don't like them right now because they're just not listening. Talk to me about the patience you have. Have to have to be a good mentor.
1: Yes. Okay. Let's get into it. Um, the thing that uh, I don't want anybody who's watching this or viewing this to <laughs> misunderstand.
0: Disclaimer. I love to
1: smile. I love to enjoy life and all this stuff. I'm very. I can be very direct and very blunt. Because sometimes I think we coddle, we massage situations, we massage the point and we coddle people and it ends up doing that person a disservice. And so the two key mentees I have that I consistently have, it, one is a gentleman I ended up meeting through my church, just quote unquote randomly. And I meet through my church. And the other I'll say is my younger sister. And the reason I say that I see her as a mentee at times, instead of just being my younger sister, is your familial connection can be whatever you want it to be. You can be close, you can be distant, you can just be, you're perfect and I'm never going to challenge you, or you can be, I'm going to motivate you to be better. So there are dynamics to that relationship that is very much a mentor-mentee relationship. But the part that's ugly is, I don't mind telling you what you need to hear as opposed to what you want to hear. I don't mind being the bad guy at times, and you being upset. I don't mind you not wanting to talk to me for a while. I don't mind you. And this may sound a little cocky. I don't mind you wanting to fight me. Probably not a bit. Probably not a good decision. But <laughs> mm. I don't mind you having these feelings because sometimes you need to be challenged, and you need somebody to communicate to you in a way that you're going to receive it. If you're being re- if you're in a stubborn mood and you're making a really bad decision and you're dug in me just telling you, hey, you know, try your best. It's going to be OK. Just hang in there. One day you'll come around. That may not get through to you. But what may get through to you is, hey, you're being stupid right now. This is a, this is going to be a terrible decision and this is going to hurt you in the long run. So just like our parents should tell us this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. no, like, no, this is going to hurt you more. But I know that you need to hear this Mm -hmm. because the thing that we don't factor in, we may not consider at times is when you are or you decided to be a mentor, whether it's been an official or formal capacity or not, you don't always know what other voices they're hearing. And I don't mean anything about schizophrenia. I just simply mean you don't know who in their circle they're talking to. You don't know who else is giving them advice. You don't know what else they may be being influenced by, whether it's media, whether it's music, whether it's what they're reading, whether that's what they're listening to. You don't know what other voices they could be considering. And so so sometimes you have to be willing to give them that medicine that they that they're going to initially reject. But that way, if you give it to them, you know that it has value for them, even if they don't see it. So sometimes I'll give them these kinds of things. I challenge them on what they, what they want, what they're trying to do. And I'm okay with them being temporarily upset because now I know once I've told you what you need to hear, you can, you have the right to choose what you're going to do, but you can never say, I didn't know better. You can never say, why didn't you tell me? Because the one thing you also don't, something else you don't want to do as a mentor is hold back what you know can be helpful and then watch them make the wrong decision. And now as they're dealing with the results of their bad decision, you're thinking, I could have helped them, but I didn't.
0: You know what's interesting about being a mentor that you just made me think about? The moments Mm -hmm. when you do step up and tell them that you're making this decision wrong. I walked down this path, I've done this, I'm trying to tell you something. You know, some people don't take interest to other people till they try to better their lives. So when you said, Do you don't know what other voices they're hearing? Sometimes those voices of people who like where they are and don't want you to ascend to another level, who like the spaces you're in, once a mentor comes along to ascend and sees potential in you, the people around you may say, hey, don't listen to him, listen to this. Someone who's right next to you on the same level. People who try to pull you up, but they're on the same level as you. Be careful of those voices of people who are like you being comfortable who like you being next to them because they have made a decision to stay there. And that's where their comfort is. But we're all individuals. It's not saying that you can't visit them back down on that level on some days. But when you're trying to get somewhere, tunnel vision is a must.
1: Exactly. And if I, and if I can, if she needs to respond to that, that's an excellent point. I think one of the harder things to realize, and I'm sorry, this is one of the future questions, but... Something I had to admit early or realize earlier in life is as you go to these different levels, not everybody's going to go with you. And it's not, and I like how you made that distinction that it's not, it's nothing wrong with going back to visit them and staying in contact or what have you, but they may, they've identified, they may select where they're comfortable. That's not your store. It doesn't have to be. And if they're comfortable at level two, and you want to get to level three you can't make them change and follow level three criteria make level three sacrifices if that's not what they want just like they shouldn't expect you to do this to do the inverse and so if you're in these situations where hey we've been we go back um, since childhood and we go back to high school or these my day ones or whatever whatever terminology some people may try to say if you leave them, you're, you're being disloyal. Because we all, you know, that's a word that we throw around sometimes a little too lightly. But no, I, I'm not turning my back on you as a person, as a friend, as a human, but I know where I'm trying to get. If I'm If what you're doing isn't going to get me there, at some point, I have to decide what's more valuable to me, your story or my story. Because if I follow your path, I'm going to end up where you're going. And if that's not where I want to end up, but I go, I do that anyway, then I've chosen what you want for your life as being more important to what I want for my own. And I don't think anybody deserves to make that sacrifice just to prove some kind of arcade thinking that I have to sacrifice who I can be just to keep you around. Because the people that value you will appreciate you regardless of where you go.
0: And I wanna add on to what you just said because you start you sparked it another thing, another light in my head. When you said someone going to the second floor and to the third, it doesn't mean that if you're on the second floor, you're nothing. It just means that you your second floor is your apex, if that's what you wanna be. If we're just judging by floor, some people's second floor is their apex, right? That's where they're comfortable with the view outside the window. The problems that kind of collide on communication is when you go to the next level, you're one floor higher and not necessarily you're better than the person, your view is different. So now if that person is on a lower view and let's say they can't see these tall buildings or this playground because you're going to need to be on the third floor to see a different view, you can't necessarily have conversations about the view because the person on the second floor is not going to either believe it or they're not going to understand or they're going to think you're bragging. So it's important for you to understand the next level and where you're going. You're going to have conversations with other people on the third floor. But you also might not be able to have conversations with other people on the fourth floor unless you continue to ascend. Now, when you keep ascending up to these different floors, you can always go back down and speak to everyone on every floor and try to bring some up or just speak to them on their level. But guess what? You now can talk to all floors, which makes you a well-rounded person to bring resources to all the floors to make sure everybody's leveling up somehow exactly. let's get into some fun talk <laughs> let's do i talked to so many men i talked to my friends people around me and i've never gotten a really good story about how this question i'm about to ask you came to be are you ready for this this should be fun
1: i hope so <laughs> i hope so
0: I mean, I'm hoping you're the guy that that sets this straight for me because I think we have a problem in the male community and it needs to be addressed.
1: Okay. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) Did you ever get a sex talk? Who or what gave you sex education?
1: I... (laughs) I never got a real sex talk. And it was... In hindsight, things probably could have turned out pretty darn bad. But I remember if it's not i don't know what the rating of your show is i can i can give you verbatim what my sex
0: talk was hey I, it, look on this show we speak freely if you are a child listening the show will be rated r it will say rated r on it if he says anything explicit it will say explicit so uh adults families who like to listen to this about manhood young boys i want to have this sex talk and there's no way of going around it we have to start having real conversations and real things need to be talked about. So please tell your story how you feel should be told.
1: But um, with that build up now I feel like it's going to be a disappointment. But this is how <laughs> this is what six Talk was. <laughs> was uh, so I'm riding in the car. Former stepfather, he's like, "Hey, I think you're at the age. I was probably around 12, 13. No, I was 13 years old.
0: 13.
1: Like, hey, we need to. I uh, think it's about that time for us to have that talk." And I'm I'm in full angry thirteen year old the world is against me mode at the time. He was like, all right, and they're like, yeah, what we'll talk? I mean, it's time for us to talk about the birds and the bees, like, okay, because I was a little brat, like, uh, okay, what you want to know? This is what I said to him. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was like, what? <laughs> what you want to know? He was like, well, I want to know, do you under, do you do you know what sex is? And I'm like, yes, I know what sex is, we're fine. Well, you tell me what sex is. And so I go on to elaborate what sex is. And, you know, I go on through the, the basic mechanics and everything, and he says, okay, sounds you got to understand it. Let me know if you have any more questions.
0: That was my sex talk. Well, yeah. it, that's, that's better than most, it's better than most. <laughs> Listen, the I, I think the sex talk needs to be expanded because what we're dealing with in terms of like social media, everything is uh, sex is sell, sold. It. Like when we were kids, there was like two different record bins, right? You had your The Otis Elys and all these stand up in it songs over here that if they played it, you had to go in the back. You couldn't really hear it. It wasn't a radio station for these kind of songs. Now, right. It is a way of life for people to be Expressive about sex And sexuality on all Levels and all spectrums I feel sexual education Needs to come in early in terms Of the Importance of the responsibility of Taking care of your body Not bringing in another body that you can't take Care of which becomes You know it becomes problematic in society Because we're dealing with someone's life and emotions That you bring into the world And I'm not saying sex, sex is fun. Sex is great. But we also need to know that sex is fun and sex is great. That this is something you're going to want all the time. But how responsible are you going to be about it? Are you going to take the time to grab that condom off the dresser right. and not just go in there and have a good time because it feels better? But it has to be. you have to be educated. And that comes with repetition and understanding. Like, even in the beginning, you might not listen to what somebody's telling you about the prevention. But eventually... There are a lot of people who wish they would have had a talk or listen, and I think we are so scared of talking about things that are normal, normal things that not, not me. Not, let me not say normal things that are guaranteed in this life. Well, not guaranteed. Not everybody's guaranteed to have sex, but reproduction is is right now is a guarantee, right? And some other things are guaranteed that I'll talk to you about later, but. Do you plan on ever giving a sex talk to a young man or a young lady? What would you say to them? Like how you say you're direct. How direct would you be? I got to hear this.
1: <laughs> I feel like for a young lady, I would prefer
0: yeah. Yeah, woman, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you say you mentor. mentor your sister, so I don't know. Sometimes so you gotta with, give little that sister. one
1: that was a when she was going to college. Hey, don't have baby. <laughs> while to while you're in this school, it yeah. was a, that was uh, that went into Big Brother mode. That wasn't yeah, even, yeah, yeah. It's okay, but no, I I definitely expect to have it. Um, my, my other mentee, he's 28 at this point. So by the yeah. time he and I met, he was
0: he's already it was well-versed. more
1: so reining him in, making yeah. sure he understood it. <laughs> but I think that's going to happen. But like, like you said, I think it's very important, and I feel like it's going to be something. That I think we kind of we may have evolved past the idea of just the talk. Mm-hmm. I think you start to introduce certain concepts. You're gonna we're gonna have to start introduce certain concepts and philosophies around responsibility, self-respect, uh, what's considered appropriate versus inappropriate. You're going to have to have those conversations a lot younger now. I mean, at a lot younger ages lot younger. because they're going to see it on commercials. It's not even that you're going to, if you have, if you're playing that song or you're turning to that mm-hmm. premium channel, it's in a commercial, it's going to be in a music video. It's going to be in a TV ad. It's, it's going in to be, the
0: grocery store. It's going
1: to grocery store. It's going to be on YouTube. <laughs> and this is, it's, there's only so many filters that the world has, mm-hmm. but your child is going to begin to see this. And, your child uh, as they develop is naturally going to be inquisitive. If you don't prepare that child on how to process this or don't create the safe space for them to be able to a- ask you certain questions, then you run the risk that they go get this question answered somewhere that you don't want them to get it answered in. And so what I imagine, I don't have any children as of yet, so this is all theor- a bit theoretical for me, but I'm going to tell you, I feel like I will be telling James Jr. <laughs> whatever his name will be. Uh, I feel like i will be telling him at an early age one, you need to respect women. That's one to be initial conversation early. If we don't have to mm. fact that we don't have to factor in the sexual conversations, but respect women. If you lay that foundation, then certain ideas of sexual assault and how you disrespect women and rape culture, those things, those you're preemptively striking a blow against some of these philosophies that he could get exposed
0: to. absolutely 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 respect and 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 uh re- protect right And pre- exactly those exactly. two things the respect you have we're not going to go into any other ideologies about how men don't feel <laughs> that works being so respectful but <laughs> <laughs> another conversation but that's a relationship question right right, now, right I appreciate you saying leave with respect is the first actually the first sex part of the sex talk is respect and you that's dope that's dope I think I grew from that right there the first talk about sex with your kids should be how much you re, met your male child is how much you respect women first
1: right because I think unfortunately and this is being super close to my mom and all right so let me kind of give a little bit of backstory. I remember when my father passed. Before he passed, he was like, "If anything ever happens to me, take care of your mom." You don't again. You don't think it's anything to that when you're a child. But as I got older, you want to make sure you see women as something to protect and something to revere. And so I grew up with that concept. So when my sister, who is 11 years younger than me, um, when she is born, I already had it in my head that women should be respected. She deserves to be respected. And so. And and protected, like you said. And so if I've already been indoctrinated into this thinking of women are supposed to be revered, which I got from my dynamics and how my mother and to be respected and protected with my younger sister. It was a lot harder for me to go out and just do anything, anything and everything to a woman. That's my age that I would that I had interest romantically or physically with or in. And so I feel like because the foundational principles had already been laid, that's going back to the self, the self consciousness, subconscious that we spoke of earlier. Because that's already kind of playing your background. It's certain things I just wasn't going to be entertaining. Um, you know, urges happen, desires have all that stuff happens. Follow through with those as mm-hmm. you know, as you know, because we're, we're humans. Yeah. But it's certain things that I would not have tried to do to a woman. Just because that's not right, she deserves better. She deserves more. Yep. It shouldn't have to be her telling me that's not it. She deserves
0: better, even if she has a track record of her track record. You didn't meet her. It's your time. That's right. The first time meeting her. So you could, but it just prevents a lot of things and puts you in better situations.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's going in. If we set, if we set up, if we set those things up, set up those pillars how we're going to, since we're talking about manhood, if we establish the pillars of what being a man does or means for our, for our young men, if we set those things up, those are some of those bar- parameters that we're not necessarily going to really veer outside of as often as the world would like us to believe that we do.
0: And which leads me to my next question. Should there be a basic training program amongst men, a level of education? Ev- a level of education taught and what i mean by that is outside of the education system outside of churches and outside of boys and girls clubs i'm talking financial literacy i'm talking communication i'm talking how to change a tire change a tie gardening general wealth building like stocks real estate speaking with the elderly because they have all the answers because they've been here longer than all of us do you think we can ever implement something like that in our communities where we talk to them about respect for women building the foundation of of cutting down some of the antics that we that we engage in now
1: I feel like we can but I think we have to be really intentional to do that and I say that because we can't wait some of these things you can't wait until a kid is you can't wait until they're disrespectful or demonstrating disrespect to them want to teach them respect you can't wait until they Followed or mimicked poor financial literacy for poor, poor financial awareness, and now they're struck, now they're just trying to figure out how to keep the lights on, help the family pay the bills, and now you want to tell them about financial responsibility. Some of these things are going to have it's going to require us to be the example first, because young, old, middle aged what have you. A lot of people haven't figured out. A lot of men haven't figured out communication. A lot of us haven't figured out financial awareness. We haven't figured out. Responsibility, like personal responsibilities, household responsibilities. There are, those we have to we have to figure it out first. Live that example, like live that example, so that they can see it to give us a credibility in our communities. And then once we've established it, hey, young man, let me let me show you this before you need it. That way, whenever it comes to pass, when you find this, it, like, oh, I got a flat tire. I remember Mr. Davis was telling me about this. I did, I do this, I do that. Oh, I can't quite remember, let me call Mr. Davis. But, or at least let me pull up on my phone. He said use the jack, but I can't remember how I actually put, get the lug nut on. Like some of these things, we have to be a lot more proactive about it, but we have to have the credibility to be proactive. We can't be irresponsible and relying on our girlfriend to, to pay our bills but you then want to tell the young man how to manage his money. You can't be the one who catches the subway everywhere, but let me tell you how to take care of your car. Like, that's the thing that sometimes we kind of miss because, yes, and I agree with your, your point about respecting the elderly, but something, a mistake that we sometimes make is just because you're older doesn't make you the authority on the subject you're speaking on. Mm-hmm. It's the experience or your education in that subject that would allow you to be able to hopefully speak to someone else, and so we have to take stock first to be the to be the example that we want our young men to follow. And once we have that established, you can have those conversations. Because if you think back, going back to the idea of the sex talk, the origins of that word there were adult men. Who had sex had children or what have you they knew what they they'd experienced it maybe had goods and bads, wins and losses but they knew the concept and they said let me reach out to this young man before he gets out here and starts having sex and runs into a situation they already had qualified themselves as an expert on the subject expert on the subject using that loosely but they qualified themselves as an experienced person on the subject and then they came to a young man who hasn't had the experience Versus, okay, I've slept with fifty women. You slept with five. Let's compare notes and now let me tell you where you messed up at. Because as we begin to get our own experiences and have our own experiences, we now have our own opinions. We now have our own philosophies, and it becomes a it's a lot messier situation. But I feel like concepts of financial literacy, which is definitely something we need to talk about more. Um, like you said, some of those household responsibilities communication skills not just saying yeah i'm good when you're actually not (laughs) how to manage emotion which is something that men don't like to admit that we need help with how to do these things makes you a more well-rounded man and this human being so that you can have an even better quality of life because now you're representing your authentic self unfortunately we've been taught for too long told for too long You're allowed to exist in this way. This is how you're supposed to react when you're emotional. This is how you're supposed to handle responsibilities when you have to take care of them. This is how you're supposed to feel about these things. And we feel like if we deviate outside of that box, somehow we can't share that. But you're now, it doesn't make the feeling go away. It doesn't make that struggle or that lack of awareness go away. You're now just playing a role. But if you can only play a role for so long before the Anxiety around it, the frustration behind it, the anger, the insecurity around it begins to just fester and ends up coming out in an unhealthy way long term.
0: Friend to the show, Brian Watson said, The goal is to be more than a man, to get to the final level. And that's what you're, you're speaking about being more than a man, being more than just subjugated to a gender, when we reach that higher level inside of us. And that's amazing. That's good talking. That's good analysis that it needs to come from the skilled and the people who are intentional. I agree with that a thousand percent. I want to do I want to do a poll with you. Okay. I spoke to several women, and most of them say this, this criteria is never in a man's top three things they want in a woman. I wanna ask you what top three things you want in a woman, and then I'm gonna see if you said. The one thing that most of them never say a man wants.
1: Okay, this is so. This is the funny part, you know, me being single and trying to. <laughs> who, who sees this? Who hears this? For me personally, I need to know. I need her to have a relationship with God. Uh, that's the because I feel like that that lines up with how you how you're going to choose to exist in this world. Your baseline, your benchmark for where you're going to really what you're going to base your decision on who you're going to be on. I need you to be compassionate. I need you to be understanding.
0: Because God, I'm, compassionate and understanding, which is, you know, most people have God fearing in their, most churchgoers and people who have faith have, have that in their criteria, which is nothing wrong with that. Compassion, understand, those are all great things because it's subjugated to you. But most people feel that most, well, the people, women I've talked to and the males I spoke to, that they never say intelligence.
1: You know what's funny? That's a very big one (laughs) for me. Uh, Like I told you I've been academic, so that's kind of necessary. Um, But the reason I don't typically list it in the top three is because intelligence can show up or can exist in a lot of different ways. And if you're meeting somebody in those initial conversations, And you drop that just as a just as a buzzword, you don't know how she's going to interpret or what she's going to infer by your usage of the word.
0: So let me let me say this. Yep. Someone I can't remember the guest right now enhanced me and said we should use it should be more about wisdom, because women have a lot of wisdom. Because wisdom and intelligence are kind of not the same thing, but they kind of are. But I I believe wisdom is a higher grade of the dispensary, and wisdom will be better than intelligence but since the co- the connection of the of the question came from the word intelligence but I do say men out there my suggestion is you look for a woman uh, uh, add that in. you don't have to be your top three make sure she got some wisdom in there because it real they're incubators and they develop and they grow things for you and give it back to you times 10 whatever you give to them whether it's you give them great things or you give them hell they'll give it they'll multiply and give it right back to you i have no problem with your top three because that's what you look for in a woman but i just like to have this question and have this conversation but i have another question for you how much as a single man or if you're a married man how much are you really trying to understand communication are you studying the five, lo- five love languages? And do you know about the five love languages? Are you really trying to understand communication from studying? Are you out there like saying, let me learn how to communicate properly so when this woman comes along, I can communicate in her dialect, in her language, because I am well a student of it.
1: Simple answer is yes. Uh, this is actually like the sociology of people, how men and women are right. It's actually just a personal, it's actually just a personal passion of mine. Um, just in general, but also for myself, is understanding value and understanding communication, communication styles, because and as I seek, as I seek to find my future wife, I understand that communication is one of the biggest reasons people don't realize this, where where missed opportunities can fall, because if I say what I want, but I don't express it in a way that she hears it. She she may be able to meet whatever criteria I'm looking for. She may be able to provide what I'm looking for. If I don't articulate that well, then I've now missed out on a potential opportunity. I may have missed out on the solution. And same for her. I need to understand. I want to understand her, understand what her strong suits are, understand how she wants to express herself, and that we can actually speak on those same wavelengths so that it's not just about me speaking, but it's about me being heard. Because I think when you understand the value of communication, you understand how how much of a two-way concept it is. Now, you like for instance, you mentioned the five love languages. I know five love languages. I know my particular love language is love words of affirmation. I'm very much aware of this. I've read the book. I've done. I've taken the little test online. Um, so I understand when you asked the top three earlier. That's where compassion and understanding. Those have a foothold in how you are actually affirm somebody else verbally. But I know this about myself, so now if I meet a young woman, when she asks me what am I looking for, I can not only answer the question, but I know what it looks like. The part about poor communication is, if you, can, you know what you want, but you can't really express it to someone, so you can't tell them how, the, how they'll know if they're meeting. If I can't tell her I like words of affirmation, and I just say, I want you to just get me. She does, She might not know what that means. She may be somebody who responds or expresses herself through acts of service. She's thinking, hey, to her, this is me showing how much I care. And to me, she's not meeting the mark, even though it's well-intentioned. So I think you end up depriving yourself of a possible best case scenario or some of these ideal scenarios simply because you're missing one another. Not because she, she doesn't want to listen, not because I don't want her to hear me, but simply because we're speaking in two different languages. I don't care how passionately I speak in English to a Spanish speaker. If they don't understand English, it's not going to connect. I don't care what I'm saying to them. I could be saying, I love you. You're the greatest person in the world. If they don't understand English, they're not receiving it. Therefore, they're not, their need emotionally is not being met. They could she could be telling me she loves me that'm the greatest thing since sliced bread but if I don't speak Spanish and I don't understand what she's saying, we've now missed a connection and an opportunity to build something greater than ourselves. So I think we under I, I very much value what communication is and the ability to communicate without yelling without, cursing without disrespecting her without her disrespecting me i understand the value in you showing me the emotional side of you in a way that allows me to hear it and respond to it so that we can now become closer and have a stronger bond and so it's very much a critical piece of how much i study meeting women and building something with them and leveraging that to hopefully ascend to something greater and more long term
0: that's a great answer and i want to talk to you about what crossed my mind within your answer i think a lot of men need to pay attention to how we criteria our women and how we want this list of things she must do and when i'm talking about the i'm talking in the realm of being submissive right
1: yeah
0: I'm starting to feel, and I'm not 100% that way, but I'm starting to feel the the term submissive should be removed from all relationships. I say that because when we're building, and now acts of service is acts of service, but I'm talking about the word submit. When men think of submit, they think their woman is supposed to submit to what they say and what their will. I'm starting to feel that's not the case. I'm starting to feel that when two people come together that built something, it, it, I believe it's two pots of gumbo. It's two pots of gumbo of different things in life and experiences, and you're putting it into one pot, one pot of gumbo. Now, if you don't find a way for those flavors to coexist, your pot will overflow and you start losing pieces of yourself. But if you expand your pot and y'all can all cook together and maintain and start to simmer, it takes time to simmer and mesh together. When I say a woman should have your back. I don't mean a woman should have your back like holding you up. I mean, she should be, y'all should be back to back and she should be looking in the direction you can't see it. A lot of men think differently to this aspect, but I've just come to that conclusion through my growth that two businesses, two corporations are coming together in, in the eyes of many societies. It's two corporations, two businesses coming together. And at some point, some of our ideologies and our criterias fade away through age and time and through growth. So be careful what you base your criteria on because some beauty fades. A lot of things fade. A lot of things start to change. People get sick. Are you there for that? And sometimes you don't know if that person is there for the test until the test comes. Right. You don't know how good your car is going to hold up until it's growing through a puddle. Oh, I hope I get through this puddle.
1: <laughs> no, it's
0: like you you don't you don't you want to drive. You got to drive through the rainstorm. You don't know how good your tires are gonna be until you got to hit the road for a long time. So just be prepared to change some tires and get out there and work that pot of gumbo without letting it overflow and you losing pieces of yourself that burn up and you can never get back.
1: Absolutely. And if I we, could say this, yeah, go ahead. In response to that, something I think that a mistake I think men make sometimes is. We need to, we don't, we subscribe to what we feel a man is supposed to be, mm-hmm. even if it's not necessarily what we feel or what we believe. Mm-hmm. We sometimes try to meet these criteria that makes us look more what we would consider more manly or more macho. Case in point, like, like when we were younger, a lot of time it would be about how many women have you been with? that was almost like a badge of honor at one point in our, in our younger lives That way, some guys need brag about I've been with this many, I've been with that many not getting into who was lying or who wasn't but it was just a thing, it was a numerical accomplishment that was quantified by the amount of sexual, the number of sexual partners you had but if you were never the guy who wanted to go out and be that guy those guys based on their maturity level you may feel the pressure, may have felt the pressure to lie about what you were doing. Hey, whatever happened to the girl you met at the party? Oh, man, you know, we went back home and we did blah, blah, blah. You may have felt the pressure to do that, even though you just wanted to find somebody that you can watch movies with. You wanted to find somebody that you were in love with. But because it wasn't considered socially acceptable amongst men to do that, you felt the need to perform. Now, we rationalized that when we were younger. But unfortunately, sometimes we can continue to hang on to some of these similar mindsets as we get as we become older men and it just manifests itself differently. Hey, I'm I think of this because you referenced the word submit. There are some men who hear submit and the connotation around it are now is I'm gonna show her who's boss.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Exactly.
1: And not realizing that the words, the concept of a woman submitting to a man is biblical. And comes from a wife submitting to a husband as the husband submits to God. That's the origin of that, but the world has co-opted it. And now it's, I get to tell her what to do. And you may not even, you may really want a partner, but you don't feel like that's what you should be. So now watch me boss her around. Watch me show her who's in charge my, so I can tell my friends, so I can show everybody else, so I can show this world dynamic that I'm bigger because I put somebody else lower than me. And, and I if, think that's a that's a dishonest thing that we sometimes do. And it's okay to be authentic in being wholesome <laughs> and having respect regardless of whether it's perpetrated without, within society
0: as well. And don't get me wrong, gentlemen. I'm not talking about that the... There's a phase out there that all men go through where they're just trying to take down any woman they can, sleep with them, have a good time. There's a moment where you meet the right chick who's not your forever, but your energy matches at the time. Now, biblically, a lot of people do not believe in this, but it happens a whole lot. Do not beat yourself up about it if you're learning on on the fly. But this is a show helps you to have understanding to not you don't always have to learn on the fly just understand you have choices and when you make these choices you stand in them and understand what the long term and short term effects are so when you're trying to get to that hole you can always say i put myself here if you're trying to stand on that steeple and look down and cry because you made it so high you can say i put myself here it goes both ways in both spectrums we talk about leaving a legacy but we mostly ignore major steps do you have a will
1: currently I do not actually
0: talk to me about the fear of having a will why do most people from our culture run away from the topic
1: I think we do it because it talks it forces us to to deal with the mortality of ourselves and we just don't like to think that this is going to end we like to think we have all the time in the world and unfortunately we don't And I think that's really why, to have a will, you have to, one, admit someday I'm not going to be here, but two, it makes you, based on, because I've had conversations with persons about setting mine up, it forces you to kind of take an assessment of who you are in this world, and that can be a very uncomfortable conversation.
0: Let me say this, guest on the show, Choice Westbrook. He changed the perspective of that for me. He said the will should be a will to live more like not willing to saying you're going to die. Your will should said I'm willing to live and I'm willing to add to this so I can leave a legacy. If people change their perspective on something that is certain, death is certain. If we change our perspectives on what's certain, then we can now get our heads around making sure that we do the due diligence to make sure we leave things behind. Another guest on the show, Cameron Wesley spoke about how his other cultural counterparts use insurance life insurance on their family members to secure a lineage of wealth and also to pay for the funerals. In terms of their parents have life insurance policies, the kids have life insurance policies on their parents and they pay them the premiums. so when their parents pass away, they can pay for the, funeral also take some money and continue the lineage and that's something that he said other cultures do because the 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 talk of death is not a problem for them because i know we deal with a lot of traumas as soon as we walk out our door we deal with police brutality we, we deal with a system systematic thing that is always trying to bring us down in some concept and if it's not directly affecting you it's affecting someone you know on your circumference we deal with all that trauma every day and we get pat get by so the concept of talking about a will makes people feel that you're speaking even more death your way change your perspective everyone talk about it as it's a will to live and don't be afraid to take insurance policies out on your parents if you are of our age or your mid-30s or your early 20s because it is an investment not a death sentence Let's go into this conversation here. You are not a husband. You are a single man. But I want to put you in that husband scope like as we once just did with the communication spectrum. Okay. Answer this question to me. There's no right or wrong answer. But as a husband, would you rather have a great woman or a great wife?
1: Hmm. That is a good question. As a husband, I feel that I would rather have a great wife who is also a great woman. (laughs) But what, what I mean by that is if we simply look at ourselves as individuals in a vacuum, she could have everything going for her. She can be the most attractive, the smartest, the most successful. And I could be she may feel I'm those things may may feel like I'm her equal in those areas but if the cohesion of the two isn't there then the union in itself isn't going to be as strong I don't feel we spoke earlier about communication if I know that for me to feel stronger and feel closer to her I need words of affirmation but she in her vacuum feels that the way she desires to express herself again is through acts of service or through financial gifts, and we both dig into how we're going to exist. Then now we're not as we're not as easily built built together. We're not as easily bonded, and so now you can end up in the, you can end up in a situation where you have instead of a marriage, you have a business partnership. You have two really close friends, which is excellent. There's amazing value in that. But I don't aspire to get married just to have a close friend. That should be a component of it. But I feel like her supporting me, me supporting her, us no longer being two individuals, but now being one in singularity, I feel like that's more valuable. And so that requires for me to know myself, requires for her to know herself, and we can decide, do, does what we bring to the table work together? And thus, what's going to make a, to me, a, me a more fulfilled and happier husband and ultimately her a happier wife.
0: That sounds great. But people also need to understand that when you get into a relationship like that, people do not change overnight. And if they want a whole lifetime being some way and you ask them to make adjustments, that can take a decade. So just be willing to make if someone is 25, 30 years old and they had this way about them that they that was underdeveloped. You're asking them to change 25 years of themselves in a month, in a year. It doesn't happen that way. So understand that when you're growing as husband and wife as Mr. Davis just said, he's speaking to the level of growing and loving each other and understanding you're more than a business partnership, you're more than friends you're one. And blending together takes the right curves, the right moment, the right, you know, <laughs> just the right gel. And it might take years, but if you, if the work is there, if you're putting the work in, then it's worth it's worth to stay because you don't want to start over again with that if you got the right one. Right. Validation from your partner. It's like you win a championship when you meet the right woman. Well, Mr. Davis, I know you're a single man now, but when you were with someone you care about. Did you defend the title?
1: I don't even, did I def- what?
0: <laughs> now what I mean by that is, when LeBron James wins to the championship, they go to him and say, hey LeBron, you got a new team, you got new teammates, what you gonna do, to defend the title? When you, when you land a woman, it's like you won a championship. When you got the lady, you took her out, roses, nice, Nice dinners. You're doing all this nice romantic stuff. Now, as the relationship continues on, are you still doing those things? Are you still taking care of yourself? Does she still look at you? Do you still put on nice clothes, nice cologne? Do you still clean your room up when she came over? Those type of things. Ah. Are you defending the title because what what she what it took for her to get there? Are you doing that and more, or are you saying, ah, I got her?
1: No, I'm. I absolutely continue to defend this. How to use your term. Because for the exact reason you just laid out. If it, if that's what you showed her you were going to be, then you not doing that or me not doing that once I get her means that I was disingenuous. It essentially means that I lied, means that I was fronting to her. And I feel like if, if I'm too honest of a person, and lying takes way too much work, present who you're going to be and accept the outcomes of that.
0: I wouldn't necessarily call it lying because it's like some people call it their representative. Let's for example, I haven't been single in a long time, but I remember when I was single, <laughs> I would I would do things like clean up my room, like I got to clean my room up for this for this right. girl come over. But that was a front because I didn't like always. I'm not dirty, but I don't like feel. I don't feel like doing putting my sneakers in order. I don't feel like you know folding right. my folding my shirts when I have them like just. Especially in college, where you just got them tossed over there on the other you bed or something, yeah, you got a little corner, or something, right? So it was just a development process. I don't think I don't think it, not all the time is it lying. It's just you haven't been developed yet. For example, when you get your own place, is you might have a bathroom that has no soap in the soap dispenser. But when a woman comes along, all of a sudden she's putting colorful soap dispenser in your soap dish.
1: Right.
0: It's an right. upgrade. I think
1: some of, some of these things are not. The small thing, what you just outlined, outline, it's the subtleties. Of course, you put on your, you show your best self. I'm not talking about that. I mean, if you, if you know that you're not the emotionally available person, that's not who you are. Don't pretend to be that just to get her. If you're, if you're going to always be busy because of whatever you're involved in, don't constantly take off work so you can pretend like you're going to be, have time for her. Those are the the kinds of things, some of the extremes that sometimes men we may go to because we want her that bad. We will be, sometimes become a different person <laughs> to get her. Don't do that. Now, you know, I may not always have a fresh haircut when we go out. <laughs> I may, I may not have just gotten the car cleaned whenever i go pick her up, but it's still going I'm still going to present myself nice. I'm still going to, okay, I'll offer the drive or what have you. It's those gestures because the thing people don't, I keep saying this, the things we may or may not realize is as you become familiar with somebody, and this is romantically or even platonically, but as you become more familiar with somebody, the things that stood out before, you're going. sometimes you're going to take it for granted. You may have opened the door for her whenever, every time you went on a date, but now she's your girlfriend and now she just may go get in the car. She may not wait for you. It's not because you respect her any less. It's just because what's now valuable is a little different. That comfort that you now have m- replaces a little bit of some of those gestures but now it's the way you defend the title. How do you show her you care for her now? Now that she's used to her, you opening the door, what else are you doing?
0: <laughs> and, and ladies, if you're listening to the show, don't forget to hold us accountable for things that we're not doing. Because a man who wants to be with you will meet all your requirements. Whether it's late in the game or early in the game, we'll always meet your requirements. All you gotta do is drop a little hint like, you know you're not opening doors no more, right?
1: Right, it may not be malicious,
0: I'm yeah, not,
1: I'm not trying to teach you a lesson. Like, oh yeah. yeah, I I forgot. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, but, but it, that's all it takes is a reminder. And I'm I'm telling the ladies, don't be unapologetic about telling your man your requirements, because if he really wants to be there, he will meet them. And if he doesn't, that's when you gotta have more communication on why, and then hear each other out and hear why his 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 value on things has changed. Because because you can always salvage if you have communication. I want to talk to you about real quick. So, you know, you put God first and I respect that and I appreciate that. I also put God first. Dr. Miles Monroe is one of my favorite preachers to listen to. He has since passed on from this realm, but he said something that was interesting to me. I want to know your take. He said, when God created Adam, he told Adam to work his land. When he see Adam was looking a little lonely, he created a woman from his rib to assist him in his efforts. His stance within that biblical tense is that work comes before woman. Do you agree or disagree?
1: Being a 40-year-old man never having never been married, at this point it, it definitely does. Um, but when you say when I say it comes before woman, I feel like you have to be able to it represents you being able to take care of the responsibilities assigned to you. As a man, as an adult male, you have to be able to care for the things that are put in your charge, pay for your, that oftentimes translates into paying your bills, taking care of your food, being able to take care of yourself physically or what have you. That's, that needs to be there. You want to have that in place because you're offering to welcome somebody into your existence, into your space. It doesn't necessarily mean you always shoot when someone says it comes first it doesn't necessarily mean that i'm going to sacrifice my relationship because i need to go to work every time or my job is more important than her it means that i have a responsibility if i'm going to say and this is based on my belief if i have a responsibility to say i'm going to care for you as my wife i have to make sure i'm able to care for you as my wife and if that means i can't stay in bed until noon every day and I have to go to work, then that's what I have to do. But it doesn't mean that I'm emotionally unavailable. It means that I'm doing what needs to be done for us to have what we deserve to have.
0: Well spoken, sir. I came up with something called operating at 100%. And what I mean by that is I took five categories, purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. I gave each of them 20%. And I take them, and write them down every day. And then at the end of a six or seven day period, I give myself an average of how I've been operating during that week to let me know how I'm operating as a human being within my realm. So 20, 20 points for, 20% for each one, it's purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Purpose means you're operating your purpose, doing the work that you need to get done. Health means you're praying, meditating, eating right, working out, those things. Confidence, you're doing it. With confidence, of course, not being intimidated or showing you any insecurities. Money you made a little money today, you invested, you saved, you gave some to charity. Knowledge you took in some new information that you learned. So, Mr. Davis, I ask you within the last 24 hours, yes, how much have you been operating out of 100? percent
1: Okay, so purpose I am, and you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to re- me yeah, down, I got you again. I got you. So, purpose. The last 24 hours, I am very much, I'm at 19, 20. This has been a very focused last 24 hours for me. Okay. Um, What was next? Health. Health, the last 24, I would give it about a 15. I
0: Conf- had a, had a had workout
1: wo- injury, so I had to kind of, <laughs> so resting has been a part of my my health focus.
0: Okay, confidence.
1: Last 24 confidence,
0: it's not yeah, nothing, it's you had no 18. fear, no fear, no doubts, no intimidation, none of that.
1: Is last 24? It's been no, I say 17. 17 had a couple of knocks, but 17,
0: right? Money,
1: money that was what's the that's, day, Saturday?
0: That's investments, oh. saving, paying a bill.
1: Oh, 20. Last 24,
0: not knowledge
1: knowledge to be quite honest and this is the discipline in the last 24 I give myself a 10 mm. it was that. it was there's a particular book that I said I was going to read or start reading yesterday that I did not so uh, no, I no i'd even I'd even bump myself down now, I'll be honest I bumped myself down to five because I didn't get to the book I read oh. a couple of scriptures online but didn't get to the book that I had decided that I had assigned myself to read. So that's on my docket for today.
0: So tell us the name of the book.
1: Prayer of Jabez.
0: Prayer, I have that book. That's what's up. I got that book. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that's minus 15 brings you down to 85. Minus three brings you down to 82. Minus, you said, I believe you said 19%. That's minus one. Operating about 81, 80% for the day. Now, the goal, you know, to get to 95 or better. So if you read the book, you'd be on the I,
1: <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> so uh, I got a few more hours of 1 p.m. here in Eastern Standard Time. So that'll be
0: done before I put my head on the pillow. Exactly. And thank you, sir. You are now part of the Silhouette Boys Club. It is people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. Now, before you go, we always love to have people Get a referral, give us a referral for the show for the next man you think will love to come and drop these gems on this show.
1: So, the person I want to recommend is actually a good friend of mine. He's really from North Carolina. His name is Gerard Kearney. I know he actually has a very impassioned story from coming from humble beginnings as well, but rather successful with the government. And he also is a rather insightful gentleman, husband, father, and I think he has he would be a great person to share some of his wisdom and experiences that he feels like I feel like it actually benefit the men.
0: Mr. Gerard Kearney, did you say did I say that correctly? You did. Mr. Gerard yeah. Kearney, we will be contacting you. We'd like you to connect us with him, please, so we can have him on the show. Sure, now, sure. Now, Mr. Davis, listening to you speak in this interview, I'm play, I'm, I'm very sure there's women who already Googled you, try to find you, or anyone else mentor-wise to try to find you. <laughs> is there any social media shout-outs or any emails you want to give for people that might want to contact you about this interview you did today?
1: Absolutely. On Facebook, you can find me, James Davis. My home city is Washington, D.C. I know it's a lot of James Davises on the book, so I'm the, I'm the one in the black coat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> On IG, it's James Davis, Inc. That's James Davis, I-N-C. And those would be the best ways to reach out to me.
0: Thank you, Mr. Davis. And for those listening to this podcast for the first time, my name is Sheen One. And for those listening, if you like to be a guest on the show, you can reach me at solutionsformen at gmail.com. That's S-O-U-L, solutions, for men at gmail.com. Or if you want to follow me on all platforms and social media, it's at Sheen One. That's S-H-E-E-M-O-N-E. And let's continue to build conversation on Clubhouse. If you have Clubhouse, follow me on Clubhouse as well. And I'd like to end with today with a quote by Miles Monroe. True success is not measured by how much you have done or accomplished. It's not to compare to what you have done or accomplished. True success is what you have done compared to what you could have done. In other words, living to the maximum is competing with yourself. It's living up to your own true standards and capabilities. Success is is satisfying your own personal passion and purpose in pursuit of personal excellence question of the day question of your life are you maximizing your life thank you very much mr davis
1: absolutely thank you for having me
0: this has been solutions